0: Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, Almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to midwayusa.com.
1: I look out and I see our neighbor's alpacas, and they were all walking single file down the road. And I said, hey, Kay, look at that. They must be having an alpaca parade. Kay, being a country girl, was like, no, it's not an alpaca parade. Go help them catch their alpacas. They're running towards the highway. <laughs> so obviously our sound is working. We got uh, the technical difficulties for today worked out. We should be good to go. We're trying something new. We're gonna share a couple video clips today.
2: Okay, I'll try to talk louder.
1: We have an awesome show for you today. We're we uh we mentioned in our intro there to let us know what your dream homestead looks like what it uh, what's on it maybe you're there now maybe you're working towards it we're going to be talking about planning your dream homestead uh, your perfect homestead for you and our advice we've been getting asked by a lot of people recently i think after uh, 2020 there's been a lot of people moving to the country mm. with good reason trying to get away from the city want to be a little more self-sufficient And there's been a lot of people who've bought property and now they're like, I got 10 bare acres.
2: What do I do? What
1: do I do? So we're going to hopefully help you answer that question. First, we got some updates from the barn.
2: Yeah, We did the barn right before we came in here. So we check on everybody, we feed everybody, everybody gets watered. And last week we had talked about, we talked about everything, all the updates for cows and pigs, chickens, guineas, but we didn't talk at all about the camels. So what is our camel update?
1: This has been a fun week for camels. Last week we were asked about the camels, and we said and it was oh, like they knew nothing. Really exciting had for, happened. Like
2: the past six months for the camels, it's kind of been camels.
1: And Kay was like, well, "We'll we'll talk about that next week."
2: Camels are pretty chill most and of the time.
1: It's been a fun week. I think the most fun this week was when uh, our I think it was our middle son was looking out the window, and he goes, "Oh, camels are out." <laughs> He's a very matter-of-fact little guy. So he's just like, oh, camels are out. I see Millie. We're like, yeah, okay. Oh, the camels are out. <laughs> There's really nice grass popping on the hillside. warm. Beautiful, warm day. And camels decided camels it was time to take out. a walk.
2: Now, that I think was my fault. Uh, we have been checking on them, getting some warmings, fecals run on them. Have been treating them with a little warmer. Solomon at least, and I think I left the gate unhooked, like un, unsecured, and the wind, it was very windy, so it must have blown the gate open. Uh, then two days later, the kids looked out again and said, oh, there's Solomon. So, okay, that wasn't my fault. I think somebody has learned to open the gate. <laughs> and if you'll remember Luna, our little cow, she knows how to open the gate because they don't clip with anything. They're chains that kind of get um, set in a notch in the gate. And she can, with her tongue, open it. She's figured that out. So we had to clip her shut. Now I think Solomon or Millie, but I'm, I'm more apt to believe it's Solomon has decided that he wants out, and he knows how to open the gate. Yeah. Those lips are very agile. Lips are made for pulling leaves off of those branches, and I think He wants to get out and eat some grass. And he's figured out how to
1: do it. I was curious to know if anybody has alpacas or llamas. llamas, Do they use their lips to do something similar? Because they have kind of a similar... (laughs) That's a great chat. I I know, you can see their
2: little (laughs) lips.
1: He was posing for me today. I knew we were going to be talking about those camel lips. He wanted to eat, didn't he? But look, I mean, they're like fingers. Yes. It's incredible what they can do with them. And I was, yeah, I'm interested in the chat. Let us know. Does your llamas or alpacas, we've told the alpaca parade story a lot on the channel. If you're new, we used to live across from an alpaca farm and I was sitting at my desk one day and I looked out the window and I was kind of new to country life. This was new to our old homestead. I look out and I see our neighbors alpacas and they were all walking single file down the road. And I said, Hey Kay, look at that. They must be having an alpaca parade. And Kay, Like see,
2: he thought this was just something that happened in the country. I guess people paraded their alpacas. Once around. a year,
1: beautiful spring day, let's do an alpaca parade. Kay, being a country girl, was like, Psh, "No, it's not an alpaca parade. Go help them catch their alpacas. They're running towards the highway."
2: <laughs> an alpaca parade down to the down to the highway.
1: We've promised often of making a homesteady alpaca parade Sure, We've never come through on that, but maybe maybe this is the time. It's
2: good to have promises that you don't intend to keep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we're gonna keep all our promises from last week, including yes, our teeth. We
2: said we would our
1: teeth uh, soap. experiment,
2: our teeth tooth soap. soap.
1: Get ready for that one. I'm going to brush my teeth live on the internet. Mildly embarrassing. So <laughs> you, you mentioned kind of in passing, um, worming camels. Why?
2: It is the season uh, that you know. I was thinking about them getting on that that grass now, and I. It's been a f- few months since we ran a wormer on them. It's been so cold, but now I've got that like feeling like, oh, we should have done this already. I, I missed some months to, to uh, run fecals on them. So there is a person, we know he's out in Utah through the camel, I think that's the Cameliers on Facebook. If you're interested in camels, learning about them, want them, want to do some research, join the Cameliers on Facebook and Nick will run fecals for you. He knows how to do it in the specific way that A vet who doesn't deal with camelids will know how to do this specific way to find the worms in camels, and Nick will do it at a really nice rate. We overnighted the camel poo to him. Every time I go to our UPS shipping facility, they know I'm bringing, like, blood or poo for them (laughs) to ship out, so it's quite the reputation to have.
1: (laughs) I was thinking, because we had a friend run it for us, and uh, we gave him a... As a thank you, we gave him some farm fresh eggs and a farm fresh chicken. I Was wondering if he knew what 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 was in the box. He
2: always knows. Poor Does guy. he know? Oh yeah, that's the only all time right, I good. go is to I've blood to ship, blood, milk, or poo.
1: <laughs> Another home. You have to be shirt. known
2: for something, I guess.
1: Shipping blood, poo.
2: So all I'll out. get those resu- results back pretty soon. And I I did start proactively treating Solomon because. Just looking at him, I have a feeling that's what it is. And this isn't something people will recommend to treat without um, without knowing what's going on. But because I've seen the same symptoms in him before, I'm just kind of being aggressive in my treatment right now. It's, like you said, easier than goats. The goats, I'd have to straddle them and hold them and close their mouth. And they'd spit it out. There were a few occasions where we'd have to re-dose because they spit it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a bit of a mess.
2: Camels are... A little easier in some ways, even though they're a lot bigger. And as far as we know, we don't have a positive pregnancy test on Millie, but she was bred. We had as best confirmation as you can afterwards without pulling blood that she is bred, and hopefully our vet we've been talking to, local vet, is trying to get an ultrasound probe so so they would have it in their office and they could bring it out and we could do a check on her by ultrasound in a few months.
1: Yeah, that would be really exciting. We've never been able to do something like that. We've done the blood tests to confirm pregnancy, but blood to be able mouth, to see yeah. it, that's the kind of thing, like we'd have to get an okay from the vet to get a video of that, because that would be cool to show,
2: yeah. show yes. on the channel. As long as it's a as happy. As long as it's happy, if not, it would be so sad. Yeah,
1: it's like, okay, and, well, it looks, looks kind of empty in there. It yeah.
2: looks like a camel on the inside, <laughs> not a baby camel. <laughs> That's our camel. That's update. a camel
1: update. So I figured I would share that this week before we dive into our main topic, which is how to design a homestead from zero, uh, your perfect homestead. And to kind of get us in the mood to talk about this subject, I wanted to read to you one of the emails. Like I said, I've been getting a lot of emails, a lot of messages like this. And this is what pretty much most of them sound like. So this is an email from, I'm just gonna use the letter P. I didn't ask if I could read this on the air. So Mr. P, Uh, my wife and I just bought 11.2 acres. So that's a really great size for a homestead, 11.2 acres. Uh, Two and a half acre farmland pieces, one acre on a hill to build, and about nine acres of rolling trees with strip pits. And they are moving there very, very soon. We are selling it all so she can be a stay-at-home mom and homeschool. Awesome. We're big fans of homeschooling, stay-at-home, homeschool lifestyle. My question is this. If I ask real nice, like really, really nice, would you guys give me your input from your experience on how to design our homestead? Like where to put the house, where to grow food, where to pasture the cow, where to house the chickens, where to put the rabbits. There is nothing there now except water, septic, and power. I have some good ideas and a basic plan, but I don't know anyone with real homestead experience. So. Awesome email, uh, lots of good details there into what they're thinking about building and adding to the homestead. And this is one of those questions that we get a lot, a lot of different people with a lot of different circumstances will send us some form of that question. I got another one on Instagram recently, somebody asking basically the same thing. And it is a hard question to answer because when you think about it, uh, everybody, where their homestead is, what they want to do, it's all going to be different. But there are some basic fundamentals to every homestead, really every home uh, that you could apply. And I figured what we would do is we could just start there with these fundamentals. So if you are going to have a homestead, you have a 10 acre piece of land, you have a one acre piece of land, you have 100 acres. First, basic fundamentals you're gonna need across the board are shelter, water, and access. These are three things that you really want to think about. And this kind of applies in stages to all the different things on your homestead. Whether we're talking about your home, because a major part of your homestead is the home you're going to live in. That's your shelter. You need to have some kind of water and usually electricity could be added to that water. You could almost call that water utilities uh, because we want some kind of power, whether it's solar, whether you're going to run power lines into the home. Uh, But then access. Access is very, very important too. Getting your road into your home. And then as we expand from the home to the homestead and we get all these animals, we need to think about the same things. We need to have some form of shelter for our animals. That'll change depending on the animals and the management style. We have to have some form of water and perhaps some form of energy uh, to the animals. So it could be a stream. It could be a water line and electric line that we run to the barn so we have some heat lamps out there if we need electricity for anything or light and then of course we need to think about our access this was something we learned really early on in our homestead back in connecticut because that homestead the barn that we had built there there was no road to it when we first moved in and so for the first couple years we were hauling hay on our backs back to the barn and as we scaled up in size with different more and different animals, we realized, oh, we need to get a road back there. So three bullets you always wanna think about. And recently I did an interview. We, homesteady Pioneers, we do a show every month, live from the barn show. And usually we'll bring in some expert and we do an interview with them. This particular episode, I'm gonna share a clip from, I had one of my favorite guests of all time. <laughs> it was my dad. If you don't know, my dad, he was a master carpenter a home builder for about 15 20 years and then he moved into the excavation side of things so whether it's building a home from scratch or putting in the road and the septic and the water lines to that house for the last 45 years he's had his business or maybe it's a little less he had his own business but he worked in that field before uh he has just so much experience in this realm. And so we sat down for an hour and I picked his brain about everything you're gonna to wanna to know if you buy bare land, what are you gonna to need to do to start your homestead infrastructure-wise? We talked about septic systems and water. We talked about foundations and digging foundations and wells. We're not gonna play the whole episode. If you're a homestead pioneer, you can uh, watch that whole episode later. It's about an hour long interview and it's really, really in depth. But there's a really good clip I'm gonna pull up here in a moment where he just shares your basic guidelines, what you gotta think about when you're getting to your new property. Let's enjoy this. This is in the Homesteady Pioneer Library. You can go back and watch the whole thing. If you become a pioneer, there's a link in the description below. You can become a pioneer right now and watch the whole thing as soon as we're done with this. But let's enjoy a few minutes of this clip. Now let's talk about some new things like getting power, putting in a road, digging a foundation. Once we know what we're gonna do for a septic system, where do we go next and what's the process to get us towards building our place from scratch?
3: Okay, so when you bought this piece of property, one thing you're going to want to consider is, say you got 10 acres and I want the house in the middle of the property. Okay, so now you're five acres away or so from the street. You've got to cut a road in, a driveway. You've got to bring your power lines in. So the further, the farther off the road you are, all that is going to add up. And a lot of people like to go overhead, it's less expensive. But if you decide to go underground and you hit ledge rock, then you're into jackhammering and all that additional expense. So those are the kind of things you gotta think about where you're gonna set the house. My driveway expense could add up really fast. If you got really nice soil, it's not a tough grade, it's not steep, pretty level, it's pretty easy to do. But if you've got a steeper piece of property where maybe you've gotta do some switchbacks to keep the grade, because some properties, some towns have grade restrictions. Can't be steeper than 10% or something like that. Yeah. So you have to watch out for that too. So the further in you go, the more everything else is going to cost you to bring in. That's driveway, power lines. Now, you're well, you can bring that more or less wherever you want. Yeah. As long as it's outside the, the septic area. Uh so that's something to consider there you
1: might want that you know i want to be in the middle of my property not see any neighbors but that moving just to the middle may cost you so much more and then even think about for the rest of your existence there it's snow plowing the driveway it's uh you know upkeep on the driveway itself so every foot you're further back in it's going to be harder the actual building process will take longer because you've
3: got to get that road in. So just something to consider. And whether it's gravel or pavement. Oh, yeah. All right, people you're say, all right, to, I'm going to pave yeah. it and it's good for 25 years. Well, you'd be surprised how fast that 25 years go by, and you're looking at doing that again.
1: And the cost. But then
3: again, gravel, yeah. you're, you're maintaining it every spring. Yep. Uh, so, so you're always scraping, and it's nickel and diming you to death, <laughs> maintaining the gravel. So... Those are things to consider. You
1: know, finding a a, a good medium where they got a little privacy, but they're not too far in. Um, Do you do the road before you do your foundation? Do you finish and pave that road and then start building your house? What do you like to do on a site as far as steps towards building and being done? You know, where do you start? Where do you end?
3: All right. Generally, what we do on home sites is a tree guy will come in. He'll cut down all the trees, brush, chip it up, haul it away. Then I'll come in. We'll pull out all the stumps, as long as it's not in a wetlands area. Can't touch those areas. We'll pull all out all the stumps, load them into dumpsters, haul those away. And then, generally, we will grub in, box out the driveway, whether it's 100 feet, 200 feet, 1,600 feet, because you need that to get to your house site. Right. You're not going to get anybody in there. Now, you don't have to finish that driveway, but you want to grub it out. You want to get some good heavy base material down. And depending on what time of the year you start you may have to spend more than you thought on that because you're going to run into water all the time yeah raining and everything like that so you're going to want to get your base material down and then that'll allow you to get your concrete trucks in there then your lumber trucks for all your framing material and there's a lot of deliveries along the way it's your framing material oh, your yeah. sheetrock roofing supplies siding everything comes in by truck you realize why the romans built their entire empire off of a good road exactly <laughs> you got to get stuff in and out you need the good yeah road. so all that needs to be done you need to get that well rig in there yeah and those things they got to go in and they got to be in a fairly level site those well rigs are huge so you have to have a pretty good access for them and sometimes you we have to even build temporary pull-offs to get those guys in. Because right. they have to come in and they can't get right where they got to go. You got to spend some money to build a temporary pad and then maybe you pull it later. Yeah. Uh, so you, that's the order, okay? And then the house is going up at that point. Then you can do the other things. Then you can do the septic system. If it's underground utilities, you can do the trenching. A lot of times the utilities are not under the driveway. They're to one side or the other. Now, you may not need a well you may be you may have access to city water and if there is they'll make you connect yeah if the city water a lot of times they don't let you drill a well at least where we are so you'll be running that water line in and then as the house goes up and gets finished then it's the final grading topsoiling raking seeding whatever plantings along the way
1: Really great advice from the old man there.
2: A lot to take away from that video. Um, Austin didn't have a mustache. <laughs> I just grew Mostly. back quickly. <laughs> I think that's all anybody heard.
1: That's everyone who's focused on the mustache, lack of a mustache. Mustache, mustache, mustache.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that a well drilling truck is apparently huge.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've never seen a well drilling truck? Well drilling truck? No. It's a big ordeal. No,
2: it's one of those things when I think about our next homestead, it makes me say, never mind. <laughs> or i'll live off the grid <laughs> i won't install anything
1: you know you need a well if you live off grid no that's what You're rain gonna, rainwater Rainwater catchment that's oh right. you got me you totally got <laughs> me <laughs> those are kind of the fundamentals and you could see how much is there like and that's just to get your house ready that's not to get like we read i already read the email where we talked about you know cows and chickens and all these other things um when we start to try to design years out into the homestead you want to have, it kind of gets really difficult. We've been homesteading for a long time. We know what we like. And we even talk about when we no longer need such a big place, if all our kids grow up, well, when all our kids grow up, it's inevitable. And, um, you know, we, we would just need like a little cabin for ourselves. What would we have? We still have a hard time figuring that out. What would we want? Um, because, Things change so much over time. And that's why this question, we were thinking.
2: It's so hard to answer. Yeah. Especially for somebody else. We can't answer for ourselves because it changes. We have file folders of plans we've made that we either didn't want to do anymore, found a better way to do them, just changed. And that's probably what will happen to you too as you start and continue in your homesteading journey. A lot of people in the comments said, all their, the different things they want or would like or have, everyone's is so different.
1: Yeah, we were thinking about like, how would you explain, you know, when you sit down to design this homestead and and you right at the moment don't have any homestead and you're thinking, I wanna have a cow and I wanna have a chicken and I wanna have goats and I wanna have pigs and I wanna have sheep and I wanna do this kind of rotational grazing, Uh, you know, for us to design that for somebody, to give them an idea of how to lay that out, It would almost be like somebody coming and saying to us, hey, you guys have a lot of kids. Uh, I was wondering, I wanted to get your input on how to design my teenager's bedroom. And we would say, okay, well, tell us about your teenager. What are they like? You know, what are they interested in? Oh, I don't have a teenager yet. Uh, My wife and I are planning on having kids and we want to know how to build our teenager's bedroom. We would say, well, obviously you got to start at the nursery, right? Before we get to teenage bedroom, let's focus on where you are currently. Because what our teenager might like...
2: When we have them.
1: (laughs) We don't even have a teenager yet, yeah. When we have one, what they like might be very different from what your teenager would like.
2: So, we always (laughs) answer these questions like this because... It's such an individualized thing. And what we're saying is you probably don't even know. If you're just starting out, you've got your bare piece of property. You don't necessarily even know what you want. Right. We could say, and uh, we've done this. This is what we want. Dot, 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 Um, Okay, we want goats. Do we want goats? Well, right now, we don't want goats anymore. We tried goats a couple times and figured that out.
1: Yeah. We could have, back in Connecticut dreamt up big ideals for our because we at the time were just getting into goats because
2: we do dream big dreams we always have
1: big dreams we were going to do oh we could do a goat dairy and we could sell goat cheese and we could build the goat dairy the goat barn to meet the standards so that we could legally sell the cheese set up the
2: creamery for these goats and invest in the fencing for goats for this creamery and <laughs> advanced oh. marketing our goat cheese. And
1: all long-term homesteady fans know exactly where we're going with this.
2: In the end, it turns out we don't particularly care for goats. I love goats. I still love goats. Um, but what I thought I wanted to do with goats is different than what I am doing with them right now. <laughs> and probably in the them. future. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What I thought I wanted to do goat with goats was have them, but now I don't. <laughs> but
2: what I realized was. I don't want to now have them. Now we'll probably have them again because somebody is a goat lover.
1: We were talking the other day, and our, our, our oldest daughter, what kind of animals would you like to have again, or, you know, on the farm? And she was like, I really liked my goats. I was like, gulp. Uh oh. <laughs> so. This is a hard thing to do. It's very hard to design your 10-year-in-the-future homestead. Somebody
2: said, why do you always ask a question with a question? Mm. Why do you ask? (laughs) (laughs) Because it takes a lot of introspection, these questions. First of all, I think, when you're saying, I want these animals. Yes. Okay. Want them. That's great. Great to want them, to learn about them. Be honest with yourself. Do you want a milk cow? Do you want a milk cow? Hmm. Do you really want a milk cow? Every day, do you want a milk cow? (laughs) Austin, do you want a milk cow? Austin doesn't want a milk cow.
1: Things look really nice on on YouTube sometimes. You'll
2: read a book and they'll make you fall in love with this idea.
1: Yeah. I'm the YouTuber. You're the book reader, right? I'll watch the videos. You read the books. And we get really excited about big ideas. And then we try them and and sometimes they work great and sometimes we stick with them and other times we abandon them
2: other times we realize that he's not cut out to milk every day
1: That's <laughs> just not what i want to do
2: <laughs> doesn't if he wants a happy life and be satisfied he will not milk every day
1: so instead of when you get your new property right you get your 10 acres you get your one acre you, you have an idea of a property you might want to look for instead of trying to design your teenager's bedroom before you have a teenager, it's better to focus on stage one, the nursery, with without boxing yourself in or causing problems further down the line. So early on, we talked already about you got to think about your access. You got to think about your water and your power and your shelter. So you just bought your property. If it doesn't have a house on it yet, really focus on nailing that.
2: Hmm, because that's where that's where you're going to be living the animals will come and go we all know that we'll we'll have them we won't we'll change we'll improve we'll get rid of some our house is going to be there it's our house make it be what's right for you
1: and really make it you know it is the center of your homestead it's it's where everything gravitates from
2: so so maybe have a sink in the garage if you have a garage have a sink in the basement with easy access in and out of thinking yeah. ahead to, you want a cow, you want a milk. That's where you're going to be going through some of your milk. If you're a typical homesteader, we don't usually set up in the barn without having the refrigeration and the heat and things like that. So make a place in your house where you can think about doing all your milking stuff.
1: Yeah. Planning ahead for your dreams. Again, making sure not to limit yourself there, but not trying to do everything at once. Because Again, you might, just, you might go and build that beautiful barn for cows and then a year into having one cow, you realize you don't really like doing a, you know, hand milking or even milking every single day.
2: So just Yeah, maybe you figure out, I don't want cows, I built and bought everything <laughs> specifically for cows. I, I really want goats, I love goats.
1: And it's total different infrastructure, everything's yeah, different. Yeah, it can
2: be different.
1: So if you just focus on right now, get yourself that house. Get yourself that driveway that you need. Get yourself the water and the electric or in whatever ways you want to do that. it's
2: not the exciting, it's, most of us don't buy a homestead and think like, yes, now I can install a driveway. Finally,
1: (laughs) finally I can put a gravel pad in. That's
2: not why we're in it. (laughs) But you always use a driveway.
1: Yeah. And then at that point, we're always pretty realistic. We know you've been dying to have the land. You've been dying to have the animals. You're going to get something but we really try to encourage most people don't get more than just chickens that first year.
2: Chickens. Yeah. Get a chicken coop, build a chicken coop with a chicken run and get yourself some chickens because what you learn from chickens is it's not just chickens. It's, it's caring for an animal. It's protecting an animal. Cause as soon as you get those chickens, they're, they're pulling in predators from around the area that maybe you haven't seen until now. It's, having the water for them on a smaller scale than for pigs or cows. It's feeding, keeping enough feed-in stock for them through winter months or rain seasons or whatever you face with.
1: And the nice thing about chickens, when you start with chickens, you get meat chickens, you get egg-laying chickens. So you can grow into that side of, you know what, I want to do some meat animals. Uh, Or maybe you realize, I don't want to do meat, I'll just do egg layers.
2: But it's very gratifying very quickly to be able to Produce your own eggs within six months. Produce your own meat within a few months, and then and then take have that experience of processing your animals without the expense of we have a two thousand pound cow to process. We have these huge hogs we have to process ourselves. What are we going to do? We've never done this. Start small. Starting small allows you to build the knowledge of caring for an animal, uh, along with. The experience and knowing what you need to have for the chickens that can grow into your pigs, your cows, your goats, your sheep.
1: Dakota says, "Pa, chickens, rabbits.
2: Or rabbits.
1: Anything small and simple. Even, I hate to say it, but even if you just wanted to have goats and you were to get maybe a couple goats, I I wouldn't give it a thumbs up, but if you want to do it, you're going to do it. The point is, don't start trying to design prepare and get all the animals at once. And maybe you're frustrated by that idea. You're thinking, uh, it's time. We need to be self-sufficient. We need to have our own homestead and live off of it. You know, 2020 was a scary time. We weren't sure about our food.
2: Yeah, and you feel like that anxiety, that desperation for some sort of self-sustaining food cycle.
1: It's a great motivator. But the honest truth is your first year, if you move to the country and you get all those animals, you're not going to be self-sufficient. Getting all the animals doesn't make you self-sufficient. Having the knowledge, having the experience, having the systems in place, yeah. at that point you become more self-sufficient and then you actually can benefit from all the things you have.
2: And Homestead time. brought out too, another benefit you get from living on your land is observing your land. Where's your sun at? Uh, we always talk about where's the rain? Where's the water running? Yeah. You already said that.
1: No, that, and that's part of why we really have a hard time telling someone how to design their homestead because so many homesteads are so different. You're going to figure out your own issues, your own, the good things about your property, the bad things about your property, uh, and how you want them. We were talking earlier, there's people who want to have cows in the barn, right? Keep the cows in the barn. Yeah. There's people like us
2: who want to have goats or sheep in the barn because that is one way oh, yeah. of keeping your animals at a bit more contained to work with the parasite problem with yeah, goats and sheep.
1: That's a great example. We, we've we seen farms that never let their goats on pasture because it keeps them safe. They feed them hay feeders off the ground. They never have a worm issue. And, I mean, that's a great way to manage your goat herd if that's what you want to do. Now, you personally might not like that idea. Maybe you picture your goats out in the forest and you want them out in the forest.
2: We could do the same thing with pigs. We've seen pigs just all inside on concrete. Yeah, it works there's nice healthy pigs out there on concrete yeah others never see the inside of a barn whether it's from birth till death they're out in the field in their little a-frames having their piglets
1: and the biggest point we're trying to make here when it comes to designing your perfect place is that without the experience on a small manageable scale you just will not know you might have big ideals going into this new endeavor we sure we certainly did We were, you know, going to do this, you know, all natural and, you know, back to basics and just... The
2: cycle that all works together. The chickens in the garden with the ducks, then the goats with the, man, pigs. It was everything. And I blame old McDonald. (laughs) Think about that. As kids, your old McDonald. What did he have? Everything. He had cows, he had sheep, he had pigs, he had ducks, he had dogs and cats. Old McDonald, though, was old.
1: He'd been doing it a long time.
2: He was... You know, Scottish. So he probably there's a history of farming in his family. His dad was probably a farmer. His grandfather, so he had experience. That's something we're not all coming coming into we're farming or homesteading old. with.
1: A lot of us are young Donald.
2: Young, right? young family
1: moved to the states. Lost the Mick. Midway
0: USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right. And stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop twenty-four seven with super fast shipping, midwayusa.com.
1: To assimilate, and now we're coming from, you know, the city, the Donald and family. It's in
2: our hearts. But it's not in our heads yet. Right. <laughs> we and don't know. We
1: are totally speaking from experience here. This is totally us saying like we moved to the country with big ideals. You at least grew up with like the barn and the animals, but for me, it was, me, it was yeah. totally new. And um, so I, I
2: wanted to say when you're thinking about building, right, in your head, you envision your house with your barn.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is good.
2: And there's a graphic to go. All with right, us. here we
1: go. So here's our graphic. Okay, so this is, if you Google, you know, homestead, 10-acre homestead layout, one-acre homestead layout, you'll find a million of these different ideas online. And they're beautiful. Yeah. I mean, they look so nice on paper. And the reason, we don't want to pick this apart because we're trying to be mean to whoever designed this. And be like, they're stupid. They didn't <laughs> think about this. This might totally work for somebody, somebody
2: else's dream.
1: Right. This might be somebody else, like, they came up with this idea and it's just perfect. But we do want to pick it apart from our point of view to show you, like, what might look awesome on paper to a brand new homesteader or to someone moving to a new homestead? Even us moving to this homestead, we had ideas we of what we ideas. were going to do here, and then we got here and realized there were problems. So here we have this beautiful little homestead design, right? Is that okay? What is yeah? What is your thoughts right away? What are you thinking?
2: That's a big garden.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I thought right away. Like, oh no,
2: Austin will spend a lot of time weeding that garden.
1: You need to be closer to that mic, baby. Yeah, be quiet.
2: Sorry. It's a big garden that I won't weed.
1: It looks awesome on paper, but if you've never gardened before, what looks like, oh yeah, that's going to, we're going to grow all our food. You realize this is a full-time market garden job right there. Mm. And if you're a brand new gardener, you're not going to be able to keep up with that. The weeding, the upkeep, the care, that garden for a new homesteader is just way too big. So we would instantly, we're not new homesteaders. We've been doing it a decade. We still, that for us is too big. We're not good in the garden. (laughs) we would take all that garden space and shrink it down to three raised beds you would yeah i, I, would.
2: I would have you weed a lot bigger of a garden
1: you maybe the yard in but the front won't of that, do it. that house right you maybe turn that into like for you a bigger garden and
2: like here Austin, i got you a garden she I would have me weed bigger, it. yeah
1: she'd have a bigger garden but <laughs> i know i wouldn't
2: even as far as a barn we're not even saying move on to your property build your house now lay out your barn because A barn might not be necessary for you. Right. A barn, you don't need a barn to have all of those things you even said, cow, pig. Sometimes it's nice to have mobile structures for where you're going to be pasturing your animals. Like we said, pigs can live their whole life out in the field. Chickens, you can have one chicken coop and not worry about uh, the maintenance. A pole barn might be a better idea. We were talking with our camel, where we got the camels from, and he had Built his barn and he set it up with stalls, uh, everything for horses.
1: Yeah, this was a great, great bit of advice. He had it all ready for horses. He went and tore down the whole barn and rebuilt a big empty barn because he said, you know what? I realized having it open to do with what I want, as opposed to each individual stall, it just worked better.
2: Yeah, and for us, we have a beautiful barn. You might be moving on to a homestead with property, with the house, with the barn that is already there for you, and then work with what you've got. Don't make huge renovations to the barn without first live a few seasons with it and see what you can do with it and what you'd like to change with it.
1: We go to this picture as new homesteaders you see the cow in the field and you think that's perfect I'll have my spot for the cow. We know we have a dairy cow so that cow needs an alley that we can easily get that cow back to an area to milk they don't have a milking parlor in this picture. Us, we would need a place to milk the dairy cows, right? We would need a place, now they might have beef cows, maybe they don't need to milk. Uh, The pigs and the cow's location, right away I saw there's no road to the pigs' little shelter. Yeah,
2: and somebody in the comments did remark about how there weren't trails on their homestead, so it was really hard for them to get to the, the places they needed to go to take care of things.
1: We know from raising pigs, we like to raise a big group of pigs all at once, That's going to require one-ton feed deliveries. In this design, there's no place for me to pull a truck up with one-ton feed delivery. Now, these people only have two pigs. They like Mm -hmm. to raise two pigs. For them, this is a great design.
2: And that might be how our homestead ends up being in the next few years. We might cut down to two pigs.
1: The point is, here's a perfect design, a great design that for some people might work fantastic, but for our particular needs, what we know we like from a decade's worth of homesteading, it wouldn't work well for us. So if that doesn't work well for us, whatever idea we come up with for you on your 10 acres won't work what you find you like over time.
2: Keep it simple at first and learn from the the smaller things you start doing till you expand into the larger things. Yeah.
1: We can shut down that graphic. Thanks for sharing that, guys.
2: That doesn't mean don't plan anything. Plan and keep planning. Never yes. stop planning and making designs.
1: And, and that's kind of, you know, we didn't want this video to be like a video called How to Design Your Homestead. And then we just say, sorry, we can't help you design your homestead. The best way that we have found to design the perfect homestead for us, uh, the best way we think you can design the perfect homestead for you is by, as we always encourage you to do here at Homesteady, uh, kind of going slow and steady. Slow and steady, you know, is it's built off experience, right? So you have a homestead. You start with just that house and that chicken coop like we suggest. Instead of trying to build the cow barn and the market garden and the chicken run and the fish pond, you start with your house and you start with your chicken coop. And after a year of having chickens and then you put in a couple raised beds, you realize, you know what? I love working with my chickens, I'm not great in the raised beds. So now instead of building a huge market garden, you have some real estate that you've done nothing with. You haven't already put in a quarter acre market garden space that now you have to, after spending time, money, energy, putting that in, you have to convert. A lot of people who followed us way back from Connecticut know we made this mistake on our first homestead. We put in a quarter acre market garden that we never grew anything out of because we realized really quickly, I did not like to garden. I wasn't any good at it. We instead went to three raised beds and we t- had to convert that garden space into a later on goat area. And because we didn't fence it for goats, it didn't work well for goats. So instead of ahead of time building all these things and designing all these things, try to keep an open concept while allowing yourself, uh, preparing yourself to grow in the future. So open concept, keep your home and that access and that water and that power, you know, localized, centered and an easy place to work from. And then as you build away from your home, the core of your homestead, you start with little adventures out into the stead. So a chicken coop can just be a little bit further away from the house and you can run a hose to water your chickens. Then you realize, you know what, I don't like the chickens this close to the house. I want them further away. Now you can put in a water line from your home out to the chicken coop. And now you've realized I like this spot where I move the coop to. This is where I want to build my barn. What am I building the barn for? Well, I'm building it for chickens. And I think I'd like to have a cow.
2: Maybe a little storage.
1: I'm going to need storage. If I'm going to have a cow and I don't have the pasture for it, then I'm going to need some hay. So now you have a better idea of what you want, where you're going, and instead of using up real estate for a market garden that you find you're never using, you're designing a barn for the animals you do plan on having because you already have some of them.
2: Ben Ben Newman. Thanks,
1: Ben. Ben has been around for years, man. (laughs) Thank you for the super chat. What did Ben say?
2: Great show. Bitcoin still on sale. 100K by 2022.
1: Ben left a Bitcoin on sale. I think he was one of our first Super Chats ever. And he left a Bitcoin on sale. And back then, Bitcoin was Was on on sale. sale. It was like $1,400 for Bitcoin. And I said, thank you, Ben. And I bought Bitcoin. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. And I just wanted to mention the Super Chats. uh, Because we got a Super Chat here, we like to share those. The kids help produce the show. So we do share the Super Chats. Super chats with our producers. Uh,
2: and Fabrício is from Brazil. Producers. He says, Boa tarde. Gina. Como você está? Você he speaks tá? Portuguese. Está muito quente aí, né?
1: I don't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he eats Brazilian food. Oh,
1: man, I love some Brazilian. That, that picanha you made last week Yeah, that was so good.
2: picanha. And farofa.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if
2: anybody, we actually got it in our. What's that box? Butcher Box. Butcher Box. It's a really nice Brazil, a cut that they, is very popular in Brazil. It's delicious.
1: We have a Butcher Box a coupon code, too, if you guys... I don't remember. Is it, I'll add it to the link below later, because you can get a discount. You can get free beef forever. In so, uh,
2: Washington, they nice got to to five acres of raw land last July, building a small farm, slowly but surely. Good. <laughs> we... We tell people this because we've lived it the other way. We've lived it when we got a goat with no with no fencing that could keep a goat in. Oh man. We got a goat and put her in the pig pen and thought this will be great and she was gone. So we've lived it and that's why we may seem to be like those those people who just aren't fun. <laughs> when we say take it slowly, take it slowly, but it is coming from the best place. We really um, we've lived it. Yeah, it's, much, it's a much nicer experience if you do take it slowly, season by season, because you'll get there eventually, really.
1: And when you do dive into your next big thing, do that slowly, do that small. When we got our cow, we didn't get three or four cows. We had just a ladybug and she was pregnant, so we knew we'd have two cows soon enough. Uh, that allows you to grow small, slow growth over time. So we didn't need a huge barn for Ladybug right right away. We could put her in our smaller barn. Then we learned, you know what? We need more pasture for her. So it wasn't a super big expense for us because we only had one cow to buy the hay for her, but we knew in the future we needed more space. We wound up here where we had a lot more pasture for our cows. Then we were able to expand. So for all those who've written in, all those who've asked us just slow expansion over time. Don't try to design all 10 acres right now. Figure out your next, your next thing,
2: your and next endeavor. One thing I noticed in their email, was says, it said they didn't know any homesteaders around them in real life. And I thought, you know, it's not necessary to know homesteaders. There are plenty of farmers you can get to know who will give you very valuable insight into what animal you'd like to do. Even if they're managing differently, even if the breed is different than what, than what your ideal is, it can still even give you some practical hands-on experience that helps you in designing your homestead. That's what we did with the cows. We went to a farm, a farmer who had these jerseys. We spent time with him. We spent time with another farmer to get an idea of, is this really what we want to do? Even if there aren't other homesteaders near you, there are farmers. Uh, people you could get to know and who could help you on this journey
1: yeah that's awesome advice we've always tried to do that and if you're looking for farmers who you can pick their brain pick their ear uh, best way to do that is find farmers you can purchase something from support them in some way they're busy they got a lot going on if they're selling hay if they're selling meat go buy some of their product and that's when you, some of
2: their hay yeah. for someday. <laughs> if you're
1: going to get a cow someday.
2: <laughs> Start stocking up now. It's
1: not bad advice. Sometimes hay is really hard to find.
2: <laughs> and infrastructure. Who said that? Come on, homesteading. Talked about infrastructure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Infrastructure is a big one. And that's one of those ones, even then... Plan on it, but it's sometimes it's hard to know what you're going to need till you know how you like to operate.
2: Plan on it. Plan on doing it again and again and again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So best bit of advice, perimeter fence, a center point for electricity and water, and keep the rest wide open for every time you change your mind, you can <laughs> adapt to it later. That's how we're going to do things from now on. <laughs>
2: and it'll cost you money homesteading. You'll yeah. come into it and... Save money right away. There's always an unexpected expense. Um, in the chat box, how much money have you have you really saved?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a scary question. <laughs> There's some uh, wives and husbands out there who don't want to say it for their other significant other to read. <laughs> you know, if you're at the very beginning stage and you're trying to figure out how do I get started, we have a totally free course. Uh, It's the Start Homesteading Today course, and it's really designed to help you start, even if you're not at your homestead yet, start today. Free course, there's a link below to join our email list. When you join the email list, I send you an invitation to take the free course. It's a video course. uh, It covers a lot of what we've talked about here, and it gets you from totally green, totally new To the point where you know you can start getting those animals start slow and steady building. It kind of lays out what we talked about here, but over the course of a couple different lessons, it's I think four or five hour long course. So you know, lock in, grab your coffee, and get ready. (laughs) So you can take that course for free. Uh, Thank you all for joining us today. Uh, Were there any questions we wanted to cover in the chat box before we go? I really
2: liked reading about everybody, all their homestead dreams or rea- realities oh, right Or some now. of the good
1: ones, some of your favorites. I liked
2: Karen actually ran out of space to type oh, like and cut great. her off and she had to start in another comment. <laughs> Karen mentioned, Karen L mentioned, and I thought this was great, also incorporating the natural, the residential wildlife oh, uh, that along is a with good, yeah, and that. And that's is something a good that for the first time last year, we've really tried to work with. Because we have a bit more space here, we're trying to work. Uh, more in line with the seasons of the birds who are, who are nesting in the field uh, or uh, the, the insects that we know are expecting to have these, these wildflowers out there. Which is a completely, it's a huge undertaking to understand all these things. But it's really, I found that very rewarding last year to be able to do that more.
1: And that's something, you know, there's so much in so many of these comments I'm reading, uh, orchard and bees Raised bed, cows, pigs, goats, um, chickens, cows, food variety, variety of proteins, uh, beef, pork, rabbit. One of the most fun things about this is the variety. So we're not discouraging that variety. We know the dream homestead is to have so much. Old McDonald. Just get there slow and steady. That's how we've and been yes, doing it. And
2: my kids, their version of Old MacDonald, there is a camel.
1: <laughs>
2: I think that was the second sound he learned to make. I, <laughs> so what does a camel say? The
1: baby, a camel is just standard farm animal now for the baby. He goes,
2: go feed cows, feed camels. <laughs> of course we feed the camels. <laughs> uh,
1: so thank you all for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the live show. We'll be back next week. So if you want to make sure you don't miss our live shows, join our AML list. Take the free course. Our
2: goal is always for 12, 12.30 time. 12-ish. If uh, we have a sick baby, it may end up being a little later than that. Yeah. Hopefully we're all better next a week. A lot of
1: moving parts here, but we are going to be here next week for another live show. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you then.